You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. We're, we're starting a new collection of, uh, of conversations here, and just we begin with the sovereignty of God. That means if that's uh, too big of a word for you in er- this early in the morning, that means he is in charge of all things, and he is the designer of all things. And so I just, uh, I am so uh, grateful uh, that we can come and recognize that publicly today. So uh, we're, we're going to jump right into this, this collection. We begin um, at the very beginning. We're going to spend some time uh, in this collection looking at the design of God. And I think as we, you know, you begin to read the Bible, uh, that it is it, the design is really equal to the effectiveness of something. In other words, if a design is off, if it's not, you know, what it should be, the effectiveness of that product, that thing, that person is going to be ineffective. And so uh, God, as he designed us and designed us as human beings, I think it's important for us to know that design. If we're going to live out the intentions of our creator, then we have to understand, oh, this is what we're designed for, because you can have something that's designed for a particular use. And if you're unaware of that particular use of that thing, that's the design of that thing, then we most likely won't fulfill the the complete intentions of the designer. So when you look at things in our own culture, sometimes I, I've got a beef I'd like to share with you. It's... Um, and it comes from the bathroom. So take a deep breath. It's going to be all right here. <laughs> and there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of faucets that we we encounter that I'm like this design. It just goes in the stupid column. Like l- let me show you a, a picture like that. I hate that thing. You know? Do, do you know what I'm talking about? You press it, and it lasts for four seconds. And so you press it. And so it, this is the anti-germaphobe faucet. You do not, as a germaphobe, you don't want to touch anything. So I'm touching it, right? Then, but then it's out, and I got to touch it again, and it's out. And they have these on plain bathrooms. I'd like to voice a complaint. I think I just did. Here's a, here's a, here's the the other uh, stupid. Like you have scalding hot on the left, <laughs> and freezing cold on the right. I think it makes perfect sense. So it's like, oh, I'm blistered. Whoa, let me cool it down. Wow, I can't move my fingers. Let me warm them up. Whoa, this blistered. Who does this? I know nothing about plumbing, but I think I could do a better job than that. You know, when it comes to our design, there's a lot of talk these days about uh, evolution, about the Big Bang Theory, about the spore theory. And, you know, sometimes you think as human, uh, the human experience, we've become, we've become so smart that we've lost our intelligence. We talk a lot of days about artificial intelligence. Sometimes I think we're talking about ourselves. Because when you look, I, I found this great verse in the Bible. If you're ever uh, wrestling with artificial and or with uh, evolution, or you know, other than a created, designed uh, uh, creation universe that we have. Watch this. The Book of Job says this. Ask the animals. 
We're supposed to be the smartest of all the, you know, the, the creatures here. But ask the animals. They'll teach you. Or the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth. Hey, talk to some dirt. And it will teach you. Or let the fish of the sea inform you. Which, one, uh, which of all these do not know that it was at the hand of the Lord that all things have been designed? Think about that. God is having to address us. In such a way that, like, you guys think you're, you've come up with all these theories of how all of this, this I heard Tony Evans say, it's like a, to, to think that all the teeny little parts of a, a watch were thrown up in the air and miraculously came down and created the perfect watch with all the parts in place. Ask a raccoon. He knows more than you do. <laughs> it's incredible. So we begin by looking at the very opening of this, this creation story in Genesis chapter 1. Now, sometimes, I don't know, but maybe because I'm a musician, when I read the Bible, I just hear music. And, uh, you know, you hear the, this voice. And so when you look at the opening, this, this prelude to all creation that we find in Genesis 1, I think some people have a view of God that's just, a little too stodgy. And so they they miss, you know, the jazz of what's going on in this creation story. So they might read the opening of the Bible like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and God. So, you know, it kind of goes like that. Other people, perhaps, maybe the, those who don't believe in God, and it's just like kind of a weird, you know, it's kind of like Twilight. They would read it like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's like some horror movie or something. Now, some of you may think that God is this God who's angry all the time. So you might read it like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light. Not like angry. Here's how I read it, if you're interested. Here's how I would read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Oh, just something like that. Hey, that's the kind of God I want, right? Come on. I mean, just think of the angels. They were like, wow, that was super cool. Look. Everything that God created, he created it with life. It was alive. And so today, I just want to begin this whole journey and this whole collection by saying, we are created to live. We are created to live. Now, that just seems like, okay, such a simple statement. But it goes beyond the bio side of the fence, the biological side of the fence, that we are created just to, to live because everything when God created, watch this, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, no music, <laughs> the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
Now, in this story, I've put here, uh, I brought a lamp uh, with us today, and in this, in this uh, story, something is very critical. It's so simple, I don't want us to miss it, but the light and the life was dependent on something from that point on. Watch this illustration. <laughs> you betcha. There it is. And it probably burned. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad it didn't burn out on the way over. When God breathed into to Adam in that moment, God became the only source that if Adam got in close proximity to God, it still wasn't enough. God has, Adam had to be plugged in. He had to be that close, that intimate. So what's being said here is that the, the opposite of life, of course, is death, but the opposite of life in this context is, is separation. The minute you separate that plug from the, from the outlet, the minute it's separated, it loses its life. What God is saying is when he breathed in the breath of life to Adam that you are now umbilical to me if you really want to experience life. This is the design. This is the design. And so often we forget that, that, that this is the very fundamental of who we are. In the garden, the problem was that God gave a choice. He gave a choice between life and death. And in this design of, as we talk about it, we, we have a choice of being in rhythm with God and out of rhythm with God, plugged into God and plugged out from God. Watch this. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Now, I want you to file that for a second. It was pleasing to the eye. If you've ever seen a mango tree, if you've ever seen a banana tree, it's beautiful, the colors and whatnot. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Planted right in the middle of life was a choice. This is unique to the human species. There is no other species that is offered this choice. We are the ones that are given the choice. In Genesis 2.16, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you surely will be unplugged. You surely will be separated. You surely will be, you surely will die. Which, hey, let's be simple. Let's keep it simple. It's the opposite of the design. We're designed to be alive. We're designed to be plugged in. We're designed to be light. We're designed, if my wife were here, like, hey, turn that lampshade around. It's got a seam right there. There we go. <laughs> See how much you learn the older you get? No trampolines? Get the shade right. See? I only look stupid. God gave them loads of freedom. He gave them a limited regulation with a dire consequence. Let me repeat that. God gives to us as human beings in the midst of life loads of freedom, loads of freedom, every tree in the garden. Limited regulations. Don't, don't choose that path of death. 
with dire consequences. And not just, it's not a consequence from a God that just has it his way. A consequence from being unplugged from the very creator who gives us life and gives us rhythm and gives us the very breath that we have, not only biologically, but as we'll see also spiritually. This problem was that this tree, if you read of the knowledge of good and evil, this tree was also pleasing to the eye. And the things that are often pleasing to the eye attract us in a direction away from the direction of God. And when we read this story, we understand that Adam and Eve both took the choice to go to that tree that day. And when they plucked the fruit from the tree, they plucked themselves from God. And their light went out. And what did they do? When God came walking in the garden, as he probably did every single day in the cool of the afternoon, they couldn't wait to see each other and be in proximity to each other and be alive together. They were now separated and Adam hid from God. We'll speak about this in weeks to come about our relationship because we are master hiders. We are downstream from Adam's uh, decision. And we are master hiders, especially men. We make great hiders. And so now they're separated from God. Watch this, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. But your iniquities, watch, have separated you from God. This is the consequence of the choice of life and death. They've separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. Now, if we keep that on the screen... I love that this is personal. It doesn't say sins separate us from a deity. Sins, iniquities separate us from a divine being. No, your sins, my sins is very personal, have separated you from your God. This is a personal separation. And it's also a personal life. And there's a message being sent. Watch. We're not just separated from God, but we're separated from life. In Ephesians chapter 418, watch. Being separated from God, they are darkened in their understanding, and they're separated from the life of God. So here's the problem. Here we are downstream of Adam, and we're living our lives unplugged. We're living our lives dead. In fact, it seems offensive to those that maybe not know the Bible, but the the truth of the matter is that all of us, when we are without God, we are dead. That doesn't mean we're we're biologically dead. It doesn't mean we're mentally dead. It doesn't mean we're financially, emotionally dead. I mean, there are a lot of layers to life that don't seem too dead. But when it comes to our relationship with God, if death means separation, that's the reference that we are dead in our sins. We're separated in our sins. We're unplugged in our sins. And the very thing that God created in the beginning, you remember, let's remember the story. Let there be light. God gave life that we would be the light to the world. 
And so when we're separated, we're not operating in the design. You see? So it's not, so for us, it's like, it's not like, hey, I need to pray. I need to read my Bible. I need to do all these things. Great things to do. But it's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. It's living in the design for which you have been created, which is to shine light into a world of darkness that is separated from God and for us to be to be plugged into God so that we're living in our design so that we operate with the intentions of our creator. Does that make sense? It's not just we should pray. No, it's bigger. It's deeper than that. It's saying, I'm on the planet for a purpose. So many people ask, why do I have this job? Why, do I, why am I living in this house? Why am I living in this neighborhood? Why am I, you know, life just seems bland. But the beauty of understanding is our intention is it doesn't matter where you're working, where you're living, how much you're making, none of that stuff because it goes deeper than that and understanding your intention gives you so much of a higher, I'm going today to work at the place I work at because I am a plugged in light for God. That's it. It's that simple. Trust me, it will change your Monday morning. It will make it so much different. Watch. Look at this contrast. In, um, in 1 Corinthians, or sorry, in John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, compared to 1 Corinthians 15, look at this comparison. The enemy who came into the garden that day comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And, and compare this to 1 Corinthians 15. As in Adam, everyone got separated. Everyone is dying in, in, in separation from God. But in Christ, we will all become plugged in. We'll, we'll, re, we'll restore that life. We'll restore that, that, that gap that exists so much. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us plugged in alive with Christ, even when we were separated, dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been connected back to God. Here's a great, here's a great picture for you. A couple great pictures. Here's a great picture for you. Remember the prodigal son. The prodigal son had life on the farm. He had life with his father. Every day, they probably worked together. You know, back in the day before the Industrial Revolution, families worked together. They farmed together. They made crafts together. They, they built their wagons together. It was a very family-oriented thing. And it was very close and very plugged in and very alive. And then the, the son says, I want to separate from you. Just think how that felt that day. I mean, think of the father who was in this story. On one day, his son said, hey, uh, I, man, I just so enjoy working with you, dad. I just love that. But he comes to him on that day, probably the darkest day of that father's life, and said, I want independence. The greatest sin that we can ever commit in the context of this conversation is independence from God. 
independence from God. You know, the, 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 um, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a sin of independence. I don't want the Holy Spirit. I don't want, I have no, you are trying to draw me. I don't want to be drawn. I want to be my own self. And that's when the darkness comes, and that's when the separation comes. The son, of course, comes to his senses. He not only recognizes his sin, but he recognizes his separation. I just wonder, let me pause right now and just ask you, not if you're a sinner or not. We all are. You know that, I know that. But the question is, for those sitting here in this room, or those sitting at home, or maybe in your office, or maybe you're sitting right now in the car, this is the most fundamental question I could ask you as a human being created by the creator of this universe. Are you separated from God? Are you separated from God? Notice, I didn't ask, are you perfect? I didn't ask if you got your act together. I didn't ask, certainly, if you're religious. I didn't ask if you're reading your Bible every day. I didn't ask if you know all the fancy holy words, the sacred words. I didn't ask any of those questions. I ask, are you plugged into God? Are you separated? Are you plugged into God? In other words, we could say it this way. Are you alive or are you dead? There are only two types of people walking the planet. Those who are plugged into God and those who are not. Those, in other words, not plugged in because religion says, if I just reach high enough and strong enough and I hope enough that I can reach the plug of God, the outlet of God, this is a picture of religion. And God comes down, as we just said, by grace and says, quit, you you can't make it. I'm going to come down to you and I'm going to take, I'm going to cover you with Christ's blood, his sacrifice, and I'm going to give you life. This is a picture of what it means to be a Christian, to come to God and say, God, I am separated from you. I am dead. There is no light coming out of me. You may be the most bubbly personality. It doesn't matter. From a spiritual point of view, my spirit is dead. Christ, would you come to me? Would you come to me and give me this life? The prodigal son comes back that day, and this is what's said of him. Watch on the great reunion. Luke 15, 24, the father says, This son of mine was dead. No one would have looked at the exterior and say, Boy, you're dead. It's an interior thing. This son of mine was dead, but today he is alive again. See, that's the story. Okay, you want the ultimate picture of separation, of what sin does and how it separates us from God, our independence separates us? Christ was put on the cross, and we're told that God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us. Watch, it did not say that Jesus became sinful, but miraculously, 
in that moment, he became sin on a cross. He became that substitute. He who knew no sin became sin in that moment. And in that moment, he turned his head toward heaven and said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because in the moment that sin was miraculously and mysteriously transferred to Christ, who became sin in that moment, the most agonizing experience on the cross were not the nails. They were not the, the pain, the agony, the blood. The most agonizing experience on the cross was that Christ, who became sin, was separated in that moment from his father so that the sacrifice could go through and that we could no longer be separated from our God. I don't, I know, I don't understand. Maybe you do. I don't understand the depth of that incredible, incredible moment where Christ mysteriously became sin in that moment and felt the separation from the Father for us. It's incredible. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, this is the last of the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote. Moses is giving a, a, an address, a final speech, as it were. And he takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden because he said, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, just like the garden. Blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God and be plugged into him, that you'll love him and be so plugged in that you'll hear his voice, listen to his voice, and that you'll hold fast to him. Watch this. For the Lord is your life. This is the thing. If, you've, if we miss anything in this conversation this morning, this is the thing that I want to land on today. It is not God that just gives life. God is our life. So if we, don't, if we miss that God is our life, if we say, man, God, I need water or else I biologically die, I'm going to really make sure I drink enough water. I'm not going to say it's optional, as if God, who is our life, is optional. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to go out on a limb here for a second. I always uh, ask my family if I can share this uh, illust certain illustrations before I embarrass them. <laughs> so I haven't had a chance to get permission from my son, but last night was the prom. He's a senior in high school. And, um, and you know, crazy things can happen on prom night. And he came to me and uh, he said, hey, Dad, after the prom, uh, we're going to go to a friend's house and we're going to watch a movie. And I said, oh, that's cool. Um, and he said, but I just don't want to go to the big party 
because I know there are going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of alcohol and a lot of drugs going on. I can't remember the last time I've been so deeply thankful. I didn't have to give him the speech. Now listen, son, here's the deal. I want you home by this time. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You get to a certain age, those days are over. If you haven't watered that tree yet. (laughs) But I was so grateful that... And and here's the reason why. Because he's a good kid? He's a good kid. But it's it's not because he's a good kid. It's because he's plugged in to Christ. Period. That's it. It's not that he wants to, to, to not disappoint his dad. It literally, at 18 years old, he is passionate about being that light. And he understands his purpose in life as a teenager much more than many adults my age. Because he has chosen life over death. It doesn't matter where you're at in life if you're 13 or 93. The choice of the garden is still the choice of today. The choice of today is still the choice that Moses laid out. Choose life or death. Choose to be alive like you've intended to be al- to, to be created for and or choose death which you're not created for. Watch. You read the creation story and tell me one dead thing that God created. He didn't create like, wow, there's roadkill and it was good. <laughs> Everything is alive. Watch this. In Acts chapter 17. We're learning about Christ. We learn about Christ from his best friend, John, in his gospel. Just as a reminder, Jesus was called the bread of life. He was called the living water. He was called the resurrection and the life. He was called the truth, the way, and the life. He is saying that he is our life, God himself. In Acts 17, Paul says God himself gives all men and women life and breath and every single thing else. He is our source. From one man... Adam, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Why did God do this? Well, here it is. God did this. Why? So men would seek him, so that women would seek him, so that children would seek him, so that Muslims would seek him, so that atheists would seek him, so that church-going people would seek him. Why? To be plugged in and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far away from any of us. Watch. For in him alone, we live, we move, and we have our being. And that is why we've been created. John begins in the story just like Genesis. His gospel story says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, speaking of Christ, was with God, and the Word was God. Christ was God. And then verse 3, he says this, Through Christ all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In Christ was life. It's just that simple. 
in Christ was life. And that life, here it is, was the light of men. If you've ever wondered why you should get up tomorrow morning, if you've ever wondered why God has you in that job, if you've ever wondered what you're supposed to do as a retiree, if you've ever wondered what your place is in your big high school as a student, if you've ever wondered what your place is in your neighborhood, you are the life of God, dependent on God for life to be the light to this world. So let me close with this. We're putting a new roof on our house. And uh, because the uh, hurricane just, you know, made a mess of it, so we had to, you know, wait for it to happen. So that happened, what, back in October, and uh, we're now in April. Not a bad wait, (laughs) especially since it's been leaking since then. Hey, that's not too bad. So uh, did you know you could drink roof water coming through the, (laughs) yes, saves a lot on the water bill. It's pretty cool. So uh, the roofers uh, were doing their thing this week and taking off the old roof. And man, there's just a lot of banging. It's almost insane. There's a, you're inside, boom, and there's like a dozen of them up there banging, 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 banging. You know, the frustrating thing is that for the longest time, our laundry room light has been out. So you walk in the laundry room and there's no windows And it's dark, so we use a flashlight in our laundry room. Why? Because I'm such a handyman. (laughs) We've replaced that light. It's a fluorescent bulb, you know, now. And so, and sometimes you come in like, oh, it's, nope, it's not happening. It's like, hey, that, nope. Here's something weird and a little disturbing. During all the banging, of the roof, all of a sudden, the laundry room light works. Now, I don't know a lot about a home uh, you know, repair, but something's loose up there. And we'll probably take a look at it. So my wife will get up there and see what she sees. It's just fiberglass. I mean, listen. This is so profound, but it's so simple. It's so simple. Sometimes God just needs to rattle us. To recognize. Hey, man, I'm unplugged. Now, that's true for those who have yet to put their faith in Christ. And sometimes it's true for us as believers that we know the source, but it's just kind of on and off and on and off and on and off and on and off. And God would rattle our roof and say, hey, don't forget, I am your source. You know, spending time with me in the first part of the day is just not like an optional religious type thing. I am your life. I am your life. And you're not going to live your Monday alive unless you plug in tight. And then your whole life will be different. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you today for this reminder of this incredible, beautiful story. 
but the most simple and profound artery of our whole life is that you, God, are our life. For those of us who have exchanged our old life for Christ's new one, we know what it means to be dead at one point, to be separated at one point, and to be joined with you. And yet, like Adam, we still face every day things that are pleasing to the eye, that attract us, and just slip our plug in and out, in and out, in and out. Today, perhaps, God, there's some a Christ follower right here or at home or at work or in a car or walking that you have struck their heart you have you've taken their their you have reached in in such a unique distinct way and you rattled the roof and maybe right now in the quietness of this moment where the where your word is still fresh on our heart still rattling our roof Maybe there are those that would say, I got it. I see it, God. Wow. I forgot how much I need you. I thought I could only drink water every seventh day. And I need you, God, every day to drink. I'm plugging back in. I wonder who's saying that right now. I'm plugging back in, God. I need you. I wonder, in this moment, maybe perhaps the most important moment of your life, if you have yet to put your dependence and your faith in Christ, may I speak to you? As someone spoke to me, you need Jesus Christ in your life. You'll never be living the purpose for which you've been created until you plug your life and reach that plug and allow Christ to come in and allow him to take himself and join so that you're not separated from him. I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm not asking you to to live, to modify your behavior so God will like you more. I'm asking to reach to put your hands out to God and say, God, I'm separated. I'm separated. I know I'm not perfect. I know I am a sinner. I know that. But you have made me aware today, God, that I'm separated. Would that be your prayer? Is that your reality today? Is that a reality that that even though you may think the light bulb has come on, it's a reality that God has given to you. It is a revelation reality. He is revealing your separation, your need for him. You haven't been created for death. You've been created for life. You will only find your life in Christ, who is the truth, the way, and the life, the bread of life, the living water. What, what do I do, you may ask? Listen, God is asking for this transition of your old life being exchanged for his new life. 
He wants you to be honest with him and honest with yourself to reach down and say to him at this very moment, I need you, God. I want you, God. And whatever I'm depending on to be okay with you, to be right with you, religion, better behavior, comparison to other people that are, that are quote unquote worse than I am, all those things that human beings depend on to be okay with God. All of those things, God, I set them aside and I depend on Christ alone who on that cross became sin who knew no sin. I turn my life in, but I'm asking God right now, I'm acknowledging that I am a sinner. I'm separated. Is that your prayer? Would you be that honest with God? He already knows. It's really about being honest with yourself. I am separated as a sinner and I'm coming to Christ alone for the forgiveness, past, present, and future of all my sin. And I want you, God, to make me alive. I'm asking, God, that you breathe life into me and I want us to be joined. Is that your prayer? In your own language. I want to exchange my old life, Christ, for the new one that you can breathe into me. It's the most important conversation you'll ever have in your entire life. Speak to him now. Speak to him now. Trust in Christ alone. Father, thank you for this space of time. The space of just hey, where we can hear and focus on your heart, your intentions, your design. You are, God, so great. Thank you for making us the way that you made us. Thank you for making us dependent on you. And for this, God, as your creation, we come back to you and say, we not only need you, we worship you. In the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us and special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.